Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. All right, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that we have the uh, opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I'm just in awe that uh, we are so blessed. So right now I want to thank you for that. And I also want to thank you for the brave men and women that have fought and died for our country. And um, as this weekend is fun that we can go camping and spend time with loved ones, that that is the true meaning of today. And I'm just so thankful for it. Uh, well, tomorrow. Um, I thank you for everything. And I, right now I ask that... Uh, it would be your word that we hear today and that we all can take something away from Pastor Jackie's uh, message today and that your will be done in uh, our lives as we go through this week that we can um, maybe speak to somebody or have something done for your kingdom this week. And I pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Isn't God good? <laughs> and I'm a testimony of his goodness. As we take a look uh, this morning at what uh, the Word of God has for us, I, I, I don't want us to lose our way contextually. So remember when we started this journey like six months ago, when we were in chapter 8. We started, Jason started talking to us about sowing, right? You guys remember he scattered seed on you guys? He talked about having this attitude of taking the Word of God. And then we see three chapters put together. Luke organizes the stories for a purpose. Just like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each of them have a story to tell. The story is not intended to be a chronology, so they all match going through. They all have a purpose. What is, what is Luke telling us in these three chapters? In 8, he talks about the importance of going out and scattering the seed. Scattering the seed everywhere. Because you and I, we have a hard time telling whether or not that's good soil or not. I'm pretty sure back when I was in the Marine Corps, all those many years ago, if people knew me, they would not have wasted their time sharing the gospel with me. But I'm glad somebody did. We can't always tell from the outside the condition of the soil in someone's heart. The next two chapters tell us all about it. Sending out the disciples in chapter 9, right? Two by two. Sending out the 72. Jesus is making a proclamation when he does that. You know, when he sends out the 72, the same number as the amount of nations in Genesis 10, the proclamation he's making is all the world is going to come under the gospel. See, the kingdom of God is all about that. A world united by Jesus Christ. That's a kingdom message. And that's... That's something that every one of us needs to be a part. Needs to be a part of seeing His kingdom come. We're going to pray that next week, right? Lord, teach us to pray. We all know it. We've all recited it a hundred times. But I think we lose contact with, with what it is we're saying. Your kingdom come. Lord, bring this world once more under submission to the truth. Bring this world back into a place of peace. We all long for it, but we think we can find it without God. Eight, nine, ten. And then each of the stories beneath those greater contexts tell us about 
what it is to share this kingdom message, to share the gospel. And last week, you remember a, a, a lawyer came to Jesus, right? And he said, well, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? Right? Oh, the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he had a question, right? He didn't want to have to do what the Word says. <clears throat> He's a lawyer. He's looking for a loophole. How do I get out of it? So he said, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus, the whole point of that story, we looked at last week, and if you guys weren't here, here you can grab a tape, but the whole point of that story was Jesus was saying, that's the wrong question, not who's my neighbor, it's who can you be a good neighbor to? Who can you be a good neighbor to? Not who's your neighbor. Jesus flipped that question around. But you see, he, he, he laid out two concepts, and I don't want you to miss it. In this greater context of sowing the seed of the kingdom of God, seeing the gospel reach the nations, not keeping someone out of being able to hear the message because we don't think maybe they're the right kind of soil. Keeping all that stuff in mind, the lawyer said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus said, love God, love people. The whole thing comes down to this concept. Love God, love people. Well, last week, the story of the good Samaritan is a story of how to love who? So if that's how we're going to love, we're going to love, we're going to learn to love horizontally, we're going to learn to love people, then what do you think this week's story is about? If God covered loving people, then what's this one about? Loving God. Luke puts these stories together so that we can see. We don't want to lose our grip on the larger context and just focus on the story and we miss the point. And I want you guys to see the point because the point of this section is one thing. One thing. The, the, when, when God first revealed himself to men, to Moses, he revealed a multitude of, of laws and regulations, right? Yeah, I don't remember the number anymore. I, I was sharing this morning, sometimes when something goes in my head, something else has to fall out. <laughs> so, in order to make room for the rest of it. But, mo there's more than ten commandments. Um, there's a multitude of commandments. And all the way through from the beginning in Genesis till we get to Christ, there's a whittling down. There's a whittling down of the hundreds of commandments to ten. There's a whittling down of the ten commandments to two. Right? What's, what were the two? We just talked about them. Love God and love people. Right? If you do those two things, will you keep the ten commandments? Yeah. Why? Because the Ten Commandments are focused on a relationship with who? God and my brother. So if, the way I treat God and my brother, if I love God and my brothers, I don't have to worry about ten. I just have to worry about two. And ultimately, Jesus, through Paul, is going to bring it all down to one. He's just going to focus on love. 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 It's funny because the world clamors for it. 
But really, if you were to do a, a thing where you brought a bunch of people together and asked them to define it, you know, what would it look like? And really, we struggle putting our finger on it. Most of them would say, I know when I got it, and I know when I don't. That's because that emotion was God-breathed into His creation. To want love and to want to give love. And as we look at our text this morning, I want you to understand that the one thing, one of the things we kind of we need to focus, we need to get our, our, our blinders off, because we're so familiar with the story, you guys already know the story, you know how it's going to go. Listen, I want you to see it like, like it's a different. Let's make the story different. Let's make the story about... Someone coming to visit you who you really love. I mean, you love them like you can't even begin to express how much you love this person that's coming to greet you, coming to visit you, coming to spend time with you. And when that person comes, what are you going to do? Are you going to be with them? Or are you going to get busy about something else? Because that's what the story is about. Stories about loving God. That God is coming to visit. If God was coming to your house, I get it. You might freak out for a minute, right? You might freak out for a minute and think, oh my gosh, my house is a mess. You should see my house. The dishes are in the sink. Uh, the floor, I, ain't, I didn't vacuum. I, who knew God was coming over today? And so, you know, you might catch yourself all caught up in that, right? Doing all this stuff. Doing all these things. And that's exactly what we do with our lives when God wants to enter into your life. You think, oh, my life is a mess. I need to clean that up, this up, the other thing up. I need to get a vacuum cleaner. I need to do some dusting. I need to take out some trash. I need to do all these things. There's only one thing God wants. You. He could care less if there's dishes in the sink. He knew there were dishes in the sink before he cleaned them. All of those things that weigh us down and hold us back. God wants us to recognize this whole section. 8, 9, 10. This gospel message, the message of the kingdom of God, bringing all things into submission of God, are all going to hinge on these two points. Loving God and loving your brother. And you can bring it all down to one. Because loving your brother will happen if you love God. One thing. One thing. In Psalm 27 verse 3 it says this. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. We ask ourselves, why? How could David say this? I mean, come on, we, we just, just change the language. Change the language. Make it your bills. Make it the loss of a job. Make it the loss of a loved one. Make it anything that happens in life that gets you distracted. That gets you to lose your focus. But when here in, in Psalm 27, David is saying, man, I, I'm confident. I have focus. In the midst... <clears throat> of all these things going on, 
I have focus. Look what he says in verse 4. How many things did he ask? One thing. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that I will seek after. There's one thing he wants. One thing he'll go after. What is it? To be with you. Isn't that what we like to hear from the people we love? Isn't that the, the, the kind of language that you would want to hear from your wife or, or from your husband? That, man, there's a lot of stuff going on, but there's only one thing I really want. The only thing I really want is to be with you. See, this is the language that David is saying to God. He's saying to God, man, <clears throat> I know life down here is a little crazy, helter-skelter, things are sideways, but man, there's one thing. I just want you. What did the Bible call David? A man how? After God's own. Does that sound like a good example? Maybe a good example for us to follow? One thing have I asked, I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For what purpose? To gaze upon your beauty. Hear the language. This is love language, guys. David is saying, man, all I want to do, all I want to do, Lord, is just look in your face. To gaze at your beauty. The, the majesty, the glory, whatever language you see, what he's saying is, man, I just want to, I want to look at you and I want to know you. I want to inquire in your temple. I want to know your heart. That's love language. And we can relate to it. Those are things that we would say, man, this would be a great relationship. This would be a great thing horizontally, <clears throat> even between friends. That you had this kind of care for one another. Look at verse 5. For he will hide me where? In his shelter when? In the day of trouble. What's he saying? If I have him, I have Everything I need. If I have Him, there's one thing. There's one thing I need. There's one thing. And if I have that one thing, then I have everything else. I have everything else that I need. He'll shelter me. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. I don't want you guys to lose <coughs> the love language that's going on here because we're kind of rem removed from the, the mindset. To be covered with someone's tent means... That they were saying to you, I'm going to be responsible for you all the days of your life. There's a love story in the Bible called, uh, a, a book called the book of Ruth. You guys know the book of Ruth, right? And Ruth lies down, says, she says, she lies down at the foot of Boaz, and Boaz takes the hem of his robe and he throws it over her. And we think, oh, cool. she might have been cold. What it signifies is Boaz is saying, I'm going to take care of you the rest of your life. Here David is saying this of the Lord. He conceals me. He's my covering. He's my banner. The banner over me, your banner over me is, what's it say in Song of Solomon? Your banner over me is love. Crazy how all these things come together. Why? Because this is a main focus in the Word of God. He will lift me high upon a rock. Yeah, just in case the floodwaters come. Anybody familiar with that? 
Yeah? Yeah, I know. <clears throat> I know Leonard is behind me. Uh, the canal blocked up and, and it all, the water in the canal decided it was going to park in his yard. It only stays in your yard for a little while, right? Then it starts to move in. Where does it start to move in first? Basement. You guys know. You guys know. Yeah, fills up the basement. Then you have an indoor swimming pool. <laughs> the Bible says he lifts me high on a rock. He keeps me above those flood waters. He is with me. Okay, so we get this. I, I just want you to get this idea. One thing. There's one thing. Jesus is pointing to the one thing. David said, there's one thing I seek. In Luke 8, 14. Now remember this. Remember. When Jesus was explaining the parable of the sowers, what did he say? As for that that fell among the thorns. They are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. So we come to this section of scripture. I want us to ask ourselves three questions. (laughs) The first one is, what is the priority of life? What is it? What is the priority? Is the priority the the cares and concerns and pleasures of this life? For some of us it is, if we're honest. For some of us we find ourselves in the story of the parable of the sower as those that allow those things to choke out and distract us from one thing that's really important. One thing that really matters. Look what he says in Luke 10, 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So it's Martha's place. We know that the town is Bethany. It's about two miles from Jerusalem. Easy walk. Jesus is close. He said he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem. So they enter into the house. There's Martha and she had a sister called, what is that her name? Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his Take teaching out. Take teaching out. Listen to his word. She listened to his words. She listened to what he said. What is your priority? One thing matters. One thing ties all of this together. I would say in the in the in the realm of our priority, what is our priority? I have I have one answer, but I'm going to divide it into three points. Look at them three points. The first part, what is the priority? To desire the Word. To desire the Word. We all can know that the Word of God is what we need. Who is sitting in Martha's living room? God. He's speaking what? Words. So what would we call that? Words of God. Okay, so you have words of God being spoken in her living room. She's a little freaked out. What we want as a priority is to desire that. To desire that. To desire that word. Psalm 19 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. 
More to be desired are they than gold, yea, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. What is the priority? Lots of priorities in life. This last week we had a priority to build a fence. Why? I don't know. I have to ask my wife to remind me of why. It seemed like a great deal of work to stare at wood planks instead of something else. So we had this priority. Put up a fence. We had a priority to clean out the garage the other day. That was a drag. In Idaho, <coughs> everything that lives in my yard has to move into my garage in the winter. So all my stuff has keys. So you turn it on, start it, and drive it out. And all my stuff's out of the garage. Just like that. But that's not... There is... I bet my wife has 10 tubs of decorations for every season you can think of. That's not just Christmas and Easter. Every season, we have Valentine's boxes. We have, wait a minute, what's the green one? St. Patrick's Day boxes. We got 4th of July boxes. We got, I don't know, but if you can think of it, there's a box for it. We had a priority to clean all that up because every time I take them down, I don't want to put them back. So they come out of the rafters and then they stack in a pile until you can't move anywhere and eventually you have to put them away. There's a lot of things in life that we can have as priorities and there's stuff that we got to do. But what is, what is a priority in your life? Is it just that? Is it just the busyness? Is it just the distraction of moving from one thing to another? <clears throat> got to do a fence, going to do a wall, got to mow the lawn, got to sweep, got to, got to, got to clean, got to, all that stuff has to happen, sure. Is that your priority? And if God comes over, is that the great time to mow the lawn? Man, we want to be able to, to spend time to desire this which, which is able to stoke within us the, the desire. When I was in boot camp, in the Marine Corps, the one great thing that could happen on any given day is I could get a letter from Kathy. And I would read one letter until over and over and over and over until the next one came. And then I'd read that one over and over and over. I never got tired. I never got sick of it. I never didn't want to look at it or didn't want to read it. In fact, they're so valuable to me, they're one of the boxes that are stacked up in my rafters. All those letters mattered to me because I loved her. And all God's letters to me matter because I love Him. I want to know Him. And the way I know Him is by looking at His Word. Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things in your law. First scripture I pray <clears throat> every day before I read the Bible. Open my eyes 
so I can see wondrous things in your law. Open my eyes. I want to be able to see. I want to understand you. I want to know you, God, because I love you. 119.40, Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. He can't wait. This is David again. David writing in Psalm 119, Man, God, I want, I want, I want, to, I want to know your word because in them, in this, is everything I need for life. I'm, every morning a boot camp starts the same way. Some guy comes out of a room and starts screaming at you. And he screams at you until the sun goes down and you go back to bed. And you know what's going to happen the next day? Same thing. Pretty much the same way. Right? Yeah, that's not life. That's 13 weeks of something else. But that's not life. What was life was what I would get in those letters. That was life. God has given me the same thing. When I wake up now, I, I, I don't have a guy yelling at me anymore, except for me. My own anxiety, my own worries, my own distractions, my own concerns about all this stuff that we have in life, right? And it all comes flooding in as soon as you get up. Sometimes before you get up, right? That's why we get up at five in the morning. Because all our brains started before we were ready to wake up. Am I the only one that happens to? If it is, I'll go see a doctor because I'm something's wrong with me. I wake up, bing, you know, and it starts. And then it's no different. What is it that's going to calm my heart? It's going to the love letters I have from God. When he says to me, I got you. Stay focused on the main thing. These other things can be distractions. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Is that true? I don't know. I like thousands of gold pieces. I like money. Is there somebody here who does not? It's so good to see you guys not lie in church. <coughs> what he's saying here, man, I love to hear from you, God, more than I love my money. That's important. Where's, where is our priority? What is our priority? To desire, to, to desire the word. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 127. Therefore I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. What's the, what's the point of it all? He had a desire to hear from God. To hear from God. Now, when I was in boot camp, I could not call. If I had gone to Navy boot camp, I could have probably went home every weekend. If I had been at Army boot camp... You know, I, they give you weekends off, I heard, in army boot camp. No? <clears throat> but, in the Marine Corps, there was not going to be any of this talking and... No, no, no. You are owned. You sold your soul. And now, the USMC owns it. So I couldn't talk. There was no phone calls. There was no calling home. There was letter. And I lived through those letters for 13 weeks. And I've been living through the letters that God's given me for 54 years. Because that's what keeps me grounded today. That's what keeps me grounded, to desire His Word. 
The next thing, what, what is our priority? To delight in the Word. We need to delight. Get excited about what God's going to say to you. Look, in, in Psalm 1, 1 through 3, it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, <clears throat> nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But where is his delight? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates how long? Day and night. And what is he like? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. He's fruitful. And its leaf does not wither. Means he's strong. He's ready to go all the time. And in all that he does. In how much? What's all mean? All. It's crazy how that works, huh? All means all and that's all that all means. I haven't said it in a long time, so we'll work on it some more. All, in all he does, he prospers. And what did it all, what, there's one thing, one thing, that you love God enough to delight in his word. To delight in what he's written for you. God who crossed the cosmos to reveal himself to you. Because you and I would never find him if he doesn't reveal himself to us. He reveals himself to us. And what He gave us, that's what we need to hear. That's what we need to stay anchored to. Psalm 119.24 Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. A lot of us go a lot of places for counseling, right? Oprah Winfrey. She's our counselor. What's that guy? I haven't watched TV in a long time. So, what's the guy? Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil can be our counselor. We can find lots of counselors, Yeah. But David says, because of his great love for God and his love for the word, it was his word that was his counselor. That's where the answers are, folks. You might not like them. How many of you would rather have the truth or somebody just tell you what you like? Yeah, truth. Well, you're going to be better off with it, no? No? Maybe. Is the bridge washed out or not? I'd like to know before I'm going 120 miles an hour down that country road. Nobody out just singing. Top of my lungs. Oh, this is so much. Ah! Yeah, I want to know the bridge is out. Tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. <clears throat> the word of God will tell you the truth. Lead me in your path. The path of your commandments for I delight in it. Psalm 35. Psalm 119.47 For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Can you just hear the psalmist saying the same things I'm talking about when I used to re read the letters Kathy wrote me? Guys, we talk all the time about, about this difference. So many of us are stuck in religion, and we don't know how to move from religion to relationship. Religion is knowing all the stuff. Relationship is doing it. Right? You can know all the things and know what the Word of God says and still not have any kind of relationship with God. God says in Hosea chapter 6, what I want from you is your faithful love. What I want from you is for you to want to know me. That's relationship, guys. That's, that's language of relationship right there. 
Right? None of us would ever have a relationship where we would go up to the person and say, you know what, here's the deal, guy. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to read nothing from you. Okay? And so, will you be my girlfriend? <laughs> oh, yippee. <laughs> Nobody wants that. No, not even a guy who thinks he does. <clears throat> Nobody wants that because it's utterly and totally unfulfilling in every level. What do we want? Connection. I want connection. I want to, I want to know what you think about this situation, God. Well, you know what? God in his infinite wisdom decided this is how I'm going to tell you what I think. Read my word. That's where what I think is. And so we go to those letters and we go to find that. In Psalm 119.77 it says, Let your mercy come to me that I might live, for your law is my delight. <clears throat> Psalm 119.111 Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Psalm 119.143 Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Psalm 119, 162, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil, treasure. I found a treasure. You ever be reading through the word and just have something leap off the page into your heart? Like, oh man, that was writ just for me. Right now, right where I'm at right now. I found something in your word greater than great spoil. I long for your salvation, O Lord, for your law is my delight. We want to have priority, the priority to desire the word of God and to delight in the word of God. And the last one is to depend on the word of God. What is your priority? What is your priority? To desire the word, to delight in the word, to depend on the word. That's how we get a priority. That's how this priority comes together. You might notice we're reading a lot from Psalm 119. You know why? It's the longest psalm, the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And it is all about one thing. You know what it's all about? The word of God. And God the word came to visit Mary and Martha and Lazarus and he came into their house and he began to speak. And one person got distracted about all the things that have to happen. But only one thing was needed. God is only looking for one thing. It's not every day he's going to come visit you. It's not every day he's going to sit in your living room. A lot of stuff may need to be done, but only one thing is necessary. Only one thing, to come, to hear, to listen, to know how do we depend on the Word of God? Well, let's talk about several things. One, the Word of God will give us victory over sin. The Word of God will give you victory over sin. Psalm 119.11 I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I store it up in my heart. I put it in the treasury areas of my life and I say you know what I'm going to honor that I'm going to honor that it's what faithful love looks like do you know how many times my wife heard you know what I'm sorry I'll do better next time 
She heard that at least every time I cheated on her. So at least, I don't even know. I don't even have a number. Too many times. How many times is too many? How many times have you said it to God? God wants one thing, Hosea chapter 6, 4 through 6. One thing, God says, I want one thing, your faithful love. How many times have I broken my word to God? How many times have I broken my promises to God? How many times have I said to God, ah, I'll do better next time? And that's about all I care about it. Now pull yourself out of that story and plug yourself into a relationship. How many times do you want to hear that from your significant other from your spouse how many times you want to hear it I'll do better next time all of a sudden that having victory over sin starts to matter don't it why is it that I in my life how many times can you hurt somebody and look in their hurt eyes how many times How many times can you look in in her face to see the tears running down? Every time I hurt my wife, I saw that. And it's helpful to me when I think about my relationship with God to take Kathy out of the equation and put God there. Oh, he'll forgive me 70 times, 7 times. But that's a lame reason to keep doing it. And we wouldn't stand for it in a relationship, would we? But we're not talking about religion, we're talking about what? We're having a relationship with God, right? I want to have a relationship with God. I want victory over my failures, not excuses. How do I get victory? Through the Word. Just need one thing. Just need one thing. Love God more than your sin. And you'll leave every sin. Love your sin more than God. And you'll never stop turning your back on Him. Psalm 119, 133. Keep steady my steps according to your promise. Let no iniquity get dominion over me. I want to identify. It's why I love Celebrate Recovery. I can't say enough good stuff about Celebrate Recovery. If you got a problem with Rick Warren, take it up with Rick Warren. But you, you know, it better be based on something beside Facebook. Facebook is not the author of all truth just in case you were wondering. Why do I love Celebrate Recovery? Because you don't identify yourself with your sin. You identify yourself with the one you love. At Celebrate Recovery, you say, I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever. Whatever my thing is. But that's not my, I'm not known by my thing. I'm known by who I love. I'm known by Him. I love you, God. And if you come to my house, I'm not raking the lawn, I'm not mowing, I'm not building a fence, I'm going to spend time with you. One thing. Just need one thing. 
The Word of God is good for victory over sin. It's good for spiritual and emotional strength. Anybody ever need that? Spiritual and emotional strength. My soul melts away for sorrow. Anybody ever felt that way? My soul melts away for sorrow. So strengthen me according to your word. It's all what God has gifted us from across the cosmos so that we can know him. If you pick it up. It's good for determining your priorities. Psalm 119, 36 to 37. Incline my heart to your testimony and not to selfish gain. Help me focus on your word and not making another buck. Doesn't mean you don't got to make money. You gotta, everybody's got to live. God's not telling you not to live. But if your number one priority is to make another dollar, you have a sad life. Jesus talks about it. A man had all these barns full of stuff. And one day before harvest came, he said, I'm going to tear down these barns and I'm going to make bigger barns. And when I fill those ones up, I'll take a break. And God said to him, thou fool. Today your soul is required of you. And I have been at hundreds of deathbeds. Hundreds, thousands of deathbeds when people die. And never one time heard somebody say, I wish I made one more dollar. Not one time. Heard a lot of other things though. Like I wish I could get one more day. Nobody ever wanted a buck. Determining your priorities. Help me love your word more than that. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. And give me life in your ways. The word of God is good for answering critics. Psalm 119.42 Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. The word of God is good for comfort in difficult times. Psalm 119.50 This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promises give me life. I don't know how you do this living thing without him. I don't know how you do it. I love his promises. To hold and cling to his promises. Psalm 119, 153. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. The word of God is good to bring knowledge of right and wrong. Through all your precepts, or precepts 104, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Verse 128, therefore I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Psalm 119, 130, the unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. You're showing me the way. This is how we depend on the word of God. We desire the word of God because we love him. We delight in the word of God because we love him. But we get something from the word of God. That's why we should depend on it. It provides us these things. It provides us direction in life. Anybody ever wonder where to go? Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Show me where to go. 
for peace and stability. Psalm 119.165 Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Man, I like that kind of peace. That peace that surpasses understanding. It's in His Word. It's in His Word. Man, it's, it's amazing to, to desire the Word and delight in the Word and understand our dependence upon it. But then when we know all that, there's one last thing that we have to do. you got to do it. That's where the rubber meets the road, no? To do the Word of God? In Psalm 119.2 it says, Blessed are those who keep His testimony, who keep Him with their whole heart. <clears throat> Verse 5, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Verse 34, Give me understanding that I might keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Verse 60, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Verse 129, your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. I treasure them, they matter to me, and because they matter to me, I want to do it. I got tired of watching my wife cry. I got tired of hurting her. So I said, I'm not going to do that anymore, because I love her. I'm going to treasure what she needs instead of treasure what I want to do. And I never lost anything in that. In my marriage, surrendering that nonsense out of my life made all the difference in our marriage. And if you want a relationship with God and not a religion, then you're going to learn to do that too. To love God enough to let go of your nonsense. To love God enough to let go of a dumb stuff you know and ain't doing you any good anyway. We all know what that stuff is in our life. Whatever sin that so easily ensnares us. And as soon as you love God more, you'll lay it down. And until then, you're going to violate Hosea 6. And you'll look into his eyes and say, one more time, I'll do better. I'll do better. So where is the problem? Where is the problem? Let's look back at Luke ten forty. But Martha was distracted with much serving. So she went up to him and said, Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. Now, this has nothing to do with serving. Serving is not a problem. We all have to serve. We all need to serve. Jesus Christ said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Service is a part of walking the Christian walk. The problem in this sense is not the word serve. What's the problem? What came before it? What describes her service? She's distracted. You guys remember how the story began? Oh, God's coming over. And she's freaking out about all the stuff she needs to clean. And so Mary sits down and Mary's finding herself enjoying her relationship with Jesus. But Martha, she is going about driving herself crazy trying to do all this other stuff to clean up the house. 
One is a picture of religion. And one is a picture of relationship. So Martha, like any good religionist, looks over at Mary and says, Now why in the world should she be sitting there? She needs to get off her duff and get to work. we got to clean this place up. Have you guys ever done that when you had people come over? Somebody you've never, you haven't seen in a long time? Do yourself a favor. Leave the place a mess. Spend time with the people. You're not going to get that time back. And maybe one day you'll laugh about it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Now I really know how messy Jackie is. I heard him say it, but now I believe it. We want relationship. She wants to pull him away. To pull her away from the one thing that she has. She's distracted. She's focused on the weeds. Remember the story in the parable of the sower? And the cares of this world and the pleasures of this world all get you distracted. And you distract onto that and you've lost the one thing that really matters. But the Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are, look at the words he chose, anxious and troubled. It's not about serving. It's about anxiety. It's about trouble. It's about distraction. It's about losing focus. It's about thinking all these other things are the main thing. And the main thing is in your living room right now, sitting on a couch, sharing about the way He feels about you and loves you, but you're in the other room, doing the dishes, cleaning the bathroom, hanging the laundry. But He's not going to be in your living room forever. Jesus is not still in Martha's living room. He's gone now. One thing... There's one thing. You're anxious and troubled about many things. You're upset. You're bothered. You're worried. Martha is concerned with many things. Mary is concerned with one thing. Martha's concerned with many things. Mary's concerned with one person. Because she loves him. You can love God and serve Him. But you can't love God and be distracted by everything, worried about everything, and anxious about everything. God's not on that throne. God's not on that throne and in that place. So the trouble is her distraction, her anxiousness, her trouble... So what is it that we need to understand? Look at verse 42. Here's what we want to pull away. Jesus said, but one thing is necessary. Just one. And Mary chose the good portion. And I'm not taking it away from her. And I'm not wanting to take it away from Martha either. Come here, Martha, sit down. Let that stuff go. 
Sit at the feet of the one who loves you. There's only one thing needed. Remember Psalm 27.4? One thing have I asked of the Lord. And so that is what I will seek. That I might dwell with Him in His presence. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To just look, gaze at His beauty. To inquire in His temple. One thing. Trust me, there'll be plenty of time to clean the house. There'll be plenty of time to do the projects and to take care of all the endless tasks that we give ourselves. But if you make those things the priority and not the Lord, then you will have spent a life where you never had time for Him. And there's only one thing needed, and it's not the honey-do list. There's only one thing needed, that we have a relationship with the Lord. Not a religion, not a list of things to do, a relationship. And a relationship is something that requires part of each person. No? God's part is He crossed the cosmos. He wrote an incredibly lengthy letter within which hide incredible treasure for your life. He put His back on a cross, suffered and died, made a way so we could have a relationship with Him. He can't make you love Him. Or He won't. You get to choose that. To choose to say, I want to sit right here at your feet. Lord, that's what Mary did. She has chosen well. She chose time with Him. The question for us is this. Have you chosen well? I just want to encourage you. From a man who has stared into the eyes of hurt over and over again to say, I'll do better next time. Today's a good day for that. Today's a good day to choose well. Stop excusing ourselves. Be set free to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you will find you can love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we just lift this time to you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the value of your word, God. We thank you that within your word, we have the secrets of life. We can lay hold of the incredible treasures that you give. And God, when there's opportunity for your word, God, I pray that we would sit at your feet. We would say, Lord, speak, your servant hears. Lord, speak. Your servant hears. 
God, I pray that you would be magnified in my life. That I would take the practical real life and the experiences that I've had in my own marriage with with my beautiful wife, God, and I would say, you know, that's what a relationship is supposed to look like. A religion just has a, a list of things to do and ways to do it, but a relationship, that's something different. Oh, that's what we want, God. That's what you call us to. David said, there's one thing I want. I want to I be with you, God. I want to look in your eyes. I want to know you. That's relationship. Lord, you said to me, I desire faithful love from you, not sacrifice. I just want you to love me. And I want you to know me. Hosea 6. God of the universe crossed the cosmos to, to reveal himself to us, to tell us, I want to know you and I want to love you and I, I want a relationship with you and so I'm going to do everything I can. David said, One thing have I asked of the Lord. All my life I have found that when I lack the power to do something, then God is supplying me that power. I need to ask Him. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5 says that life has a lot of hurts and pains and there's purpose in it all. But in the end, in verse 5, in the end, it's the love of God that's poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Everything I need to do what God is asking me to do, He will give me. But a man has to humble himself. A man has to bow his knee. A man has to come before his sovereign and ask, one thing have I asked of the Lord, and that I will seek. I want to love you, God, like you deserve to be loved. I want to know you, God, like you deserve to be known. I want to serve you, God, like you deserve to be served. I want my life to bring honor and glory to you. Because when it does, then my life will make more sense than it has ever made. God, I pray you be glorified in this place. Move by your spirit among us. Draw us together with one another and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.